following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. What's going on, Christian Life Austin? Come on, it is Wednesday night. I don't know if you had to work today. I don't know if you had the day off, but we just believe that whatever happened today, your day is about to get better. We're really excited about the conversation that we get to have tonight. We've had already a couple of amazing conversations over the last couple of weeks, and, and we believe tonight is absolutely no different. And I'm really excited about this because I think this speaks to where we are in society today. Really, maybe not where we are, but where we can, we can start walking towards if we're not there yet. Um, and it's interesting that as you study the Bible, you, you learn very quickly that the life that we're living right now is not a playground, <laughs> right? Like, it's not a schoolyard playground where you just run. No, no, no. The life that we're living right now is a battleground. Yes. We are living in a battleground. And, and whether you choose to believe it or not, there's a battle being waged right now. And, and we're in the middle of it. And, and I believe on some level, we probably all feel that, and not necessarily even in just this season of life, that we're in a, a crazy season of life. But even outside of that, there's still a battle that is, is going on. And, and I really believe that there's several different types of conflict um, that is introduced to our lives. And I want to run through these quickly, and I think that uh, everybody watching at home and everybody on our panel will find this to be true, and you'll, you'll be able to identify yourself in one of these. But uh, the first source that I want to bring to your attention today for conflict in your life is the devil, right? Satan. We, we have an adversary. The Bible is very clear that as followers of Jesus, there is one who is seeking to attack us and to devour us. So without question, he, he's got a backup crew. He's got, a, you know, he's got people that are rolling with him, his, his fallen angels that are trying to attack us in the spiritual realm. And so I don't know. I think of it in sports. I t- and Pastor Jared, I know you guys are the same way. LeBron gets guarded aggressively because he's seen as a threat, right? And so the enemy, Satan, is very aggressive with us because he sees as followers of Jesus the threat that we pose to him and to his cause. And then the second type of, of conflict that I think is entered into our world is the world, and I mean that in the sense of not like National Geographic or the Discovery Channel, really, but I mean it more so in the sense that the Bible would, would use it. Love not the world or the things in it, right? Um, and so describing a worldview that might go against what the Bible would say is right. So the world and the things of the world, maybe even everyday things that we battle, right, can create conflict in our life. But then the third source of conflict as well um, that I think uh, we fight, I, I know personally that this is something that I fight, it, it's me, right? Sometimes I'm my own worst enemy, whether that's my, my fleshly nature or whether that's my thought process, without question, the devil's fighting against us, there's things in the world that the world is bringing against us, and then sometimes we are our own worst enemy. And so as we dive in tonight, and I, I'm going to open up this this topic for discussion. We are talking about living a victorious life. Because if there is a battle that is 
you know, that we're walking in right now, then that means there's a battle to be won. And if there's a battle to be won, there's triumph to be, a, to be walked in and, and lived in every day. So for those of you that are at home, you may not know our panel. Let me just take a moment, introduce the famous Jared Davis all the way down at the end. Our experienced director does so much around the church. His lovely wife, Caitlin Davis, uh, amazing singer, amazing mom, fantastic leader, and then uh, just a phenomenal. Yeah, I don't know if you know these people. Pastors Rex and Patty Johnson. Come on, give it up if you're at the house. Yeah. And then my favorite human on the earth, my wife, Cassidy. Hello, Say hi hello. to everybody. Hello, church. <laughs> okay, so let, let's do, now that we've got the introductions over, let's talk about this. Let, let's what would you guys say is your greatest source of conflict, right? Would it be like things that the, the enemy, that the devil is bringing against you? Would it be things in the world, maybe everyday things? Or would it be more things inside of you, right? Is it, who wants to start us off on this topic? Yeah, I can definitely start there. Um, right now, personally, in my life, where I am in the stage of life that I'm in, I definitely face opposition just day-to-day dealing with my children, um, the ages they are and conversations that we're having. And I'll have to say COVID has brought a lot of interesting conversations in our home as of lately. And so, and navigating, I mean, we're walking into a new area right now of life with homeschooling ahead, you know, wrapping up the spring semester, ending with homeschooling, walking into homeschooling for at least a couple of months that we're, so it's a lot of opposition right now and navigating schedules and how that's going to look. And I am not a, I'm not an educator, right? I, I, I didn't get my degree in education and I didn't, you know, the Lord gives patience, but whew, sometimes I need a little refill on that. And so definitely navigating that opposition and figuring that out is definitely something I'm walking out day to day. I'm really now. glad you didn't say your greatest opposition was your husband. That, that's no, great. No. <laughs> Number two. Uh, kind of in the same boat as Cassidy, but I actually did get my education degree <laughs> and I don't want to teach my children <laughs> this, this fall semester. Um, kind of in the same boat, I am a stay-at-home mom and um, so balancing that, I also have a part-time job that I do from home, which y'all all know that. So balancing the two can be tricky. And so I think that's kind of my daily opposition that I have is just making sure I'm showing enough time and attention to the kiddos because that's my number one job. And then also um, I have a boss that I have to answer to. So showing the time and attention to my job as well, that pays money. So I have to do that as well. So that's probably mine for right now. Hey, in my life, it's, it's probably self-doubt um, most, and I don't mean to bring it down from what you guys were saying, but for me, it's just fighting baggage of the past for b- taking that and trying to move on from it. And me, as, as the type of person I am, I like to take that and turn it into my motivation. So I take that every day and try to make myself better, become a better person, a better husband, a better dad, a better worker. Um, so yeah, just, it's me. I uh, I went to an orthopedic surgeon today and got a shot in my knee. That's, That's my opposition today. Ow. I want to walk better by Sunday and be able to climb the stairs without difficulty. That's where I'm at. Yeah, it's amazing, right, that it doesn't matter 
you know, wherever you are, whatever stage of life that you're in, and the same goes for you, whoever you are, whatever you're walking through, we struggle with things, and we all have things that we fight every single day, but the goal never changes, right? If there is, and there is, a battle that we're, that we're fighting, then there is victory to be had, then there is a triumphant life waiting to be lived by each one of us. Let me ask this question then. Let's kind of set the stage for, for our audience tonight on when we talk about triumphant living, what does that look like? Kind of a, a definition in your mind, like as we talk about it, so they know the perspective from which we're coming from on this. Pastor, I'll let you lead us off on this. I know you've got a, a great thought on this topic. Well, Pastor Brad, uh, Patty and I were privileged to go to Rome because the church sent us there on our 25th anniversary. Uh, of the church, pastor the church here, and we were privileged to go to Rome, and, and we saw it on a Sunday. It was kind of neat. Uh, I think the Pope wanted me to speak that day, but I was a little <laughs> bit late to, to, to the Vatican. But anyhow, uh, we, saw, we saw the big forum of where they used to celebrate the, the, the comings of the generals that had victory. You know, Rome ruled the world at one time. And there was generals that would ride through what they call the Arch Day Triumph. Triumph. It wasn't Arch Day Victory. It was Triumph. It was a place that a man attained when he had defeated those particular foes around him. And so Paul declares that to us that we can triumph in Christ. In other words, there is a, there's an arch for us to walk through. There's a place for us to stand as Christians, as believers, that we can have more than just a victory, defeat, defeat, victory, victory, defeat. We can live in a place called triumph. So I went to the dictionary and I, and I got these, these definitions here today. The noun of the word triumph means the act, the fact, or conditions of, of being victorious or triumphant, victory or conquest. And then more of it was, you use it as a verb that was without an object, it's to gain mastery. It's to gain mastery, to prevail, to not be overridden yourself, but to ride over some things in your life, to be successful, to achieve success. And then when there is more to be used, like an object, like you're going against an object, is to conquer, is to triumph over. So it's to live at that level of conquering, is to live at that level of mastery, is to live at that level of prevailing over things in our life. Now, I went back, and y'all know I, I enjoy sports. I went back and, and did a little research on a man that ran the hurdles back in the 70s and 80s. In fact, he was an Olympic champion twice in the 400-meter hurdles, probably the greatest man to ever run the 400-meter hurdles. His name was Edwin Moses. And Moses is an old man now, but I promise you what he learned in the hurdles probably still dictates his life today. He still is dictated by that today. He dominated. He won 107 races in a row, 107 in a row. Now, there was a kid that was born 10 years later named Danny Harris that always got the silver medal because he ran against the man that was the beast, Edwin Moses. In fact, 
Edwin Moses was so triumphant in the hurdles, they never would ask him when he lined up or when they interviewed him before the race, do you think you're going to win today? Here's what they'd ask him. Do you think you're going to set a new record today? Do you think you're going to set an Olympic record or a world record today? Because they knew when he got in the race that he was going to win. God knew this about Job before Job was ever tempted by the devil. He knew that Job was going to conquer and going to live through everything held through at him. And there's people that God wants to have that kind of confidence in. And when we believe in him and not just in ourselves, it's got to be in him. We are, we are, we may triumphant through Christ, through Christ. We triumphant, we are triumph, we triumph with Christ. And so it's all about him, but it's getting him in our life. It's getting him in our hearts and causing us to triumph because he has triumphed death, hell, the grave, the ascension. He's coming back. We can live with him and in him to triumph. And I, and I, I heard a statement yesterday, and I'll wrap up with this. Either you're a believer or you're a doubter. You're a believer or you're a doubter. You either believe that God can do anything or you believe that God can do just about anything. Some things he can't do. I'm here to declare to you, there is nothing impossible with the God that we serve. Nothing impossible. A 100-year-old man can become a father. A 90-year-old woman can become a mother. There's nothing impossible with him. Ask Abe and Sarah. Everything is possible with the God we serve. So we can live on that level, that plane of triumphant victory in our life. That's true. And you asked Brad, what does it mean to live a triumphant life? And I, I, I related everything back to uh, our personal life, our home life, our family life. And, yes. you know, in raising our girls, uh, they're, now they're all, <clears throat> excuse me, all grown. I feel like we're living in triumph because we have raised them. They are out of the house. They are living with families of their own. And in raising them, though, we had a lot of victories. We had a lot of wins. We took hits. We had some battles that definitely left some scars. But we won more than we lost. Yes. And so now we're living in triumph. And it is. It's all a mindset. It's all in how you look at it and getting on that other level that you talked about. We're all going to face that. We're all going to have battles. We're all going to have losses. We're going to have wins. But if you just look at it, that when you equal up all your wins, when you put them, add them up, not equal them up, but add them up, they equal triumph. Amen. And that's how you live in triumph. You look at your wins. You look at your, your not your losses, look at your wins, and you add them up, and that equals triumph. And now I get to enjoy, it goes back to what we talked about a few weeks ago about um, a legacy, yes. And now I get to look and watch you girls and Misty and see you now put, pouring that into your children, and it's triumph. It it's triumph it for us in this stage of our life. Yeah, absolutely. So That's so good. And this just hit me, and Pastor, this goes back to a conversation that you and I had the other day, and you made reference to it, and I said, don't say that because I don't want to give Jaron the, um, just this to hang it over our head. You made a statement about Alabama football. Oh, boy. Here we go. Now, uh, those yeah, we're talking about did. victory and, and triumph. Here's what you said. Jared, Pastor made this comment, and I told him not mm. to repeat it, and I'm, I'm the one saying it. I don't know why I'm, I'm doing Let's this. Go. 
He said, Alabama football is living in triumph. That's right. Okay, so and let, ever me, since let me try two, to Ever since 2009. Well, okay, Jaron. <laughs> I don't know what happened there. Put the there. mic down. Put the mic down. Okay, <laughs> let me explain what I'm saying, okay? And, and Pastor, you referenced this, and it, and it got me thinking. Alabama's won 4,000 national championships in the last two years. I don't know how, but it happened every year. They just, they're good. This last week, this is what just hit me. This last week, they got two recruits that were legacies, which means they've got family members that played at the University of Texas. Their brother and their father both played at the University of Texas, okay? (laughs) But here's the deal. They, Texas had built in like relationship and pull to come to their school, but you know why they chose to go to Alabama? Now, I haven't read their mind. I haven't talked to them, but here's, here's why. Because Alabama puts offensive linemen in the NFL. Yes. And their legacy of winning, like it, it became more than just a victory. They looked at the big picture, and that's the difference between victory and triumph. That it, you, know, you can move past these little victories, and there's this big overarching mindset and culture that we build in our lives that, that we, can, we can walk in triumph and we can be victorious even when the odds are stacked against us, when, when there's connections to other things that we shouldn't even be able to walk in it, but because of the culture that we've set in our life and the lifestyle that we live, we can walk in triumph every day. And so I just made a sports reference, tried to make it really spiritual. So I love a good illustration about Alabama. You, rang, like that's you rang the always, bell. It's even always though, applicable even though to our it's life. about Alabama. You rang the bell that's, on that one. Okay, I'm so, in now. Let's go. So now that we have a definition, right, and, and hopefully those of you that are tuning in um, wherever you are tonight, you kind of understand where we're coming from when we say that we, we're trying to live a triumphant life. I, I guess I want to ask the, the panel tonight, what... What is your secret sauce to actually not just knowing that we need to walk in triumph every day, but what is your secret sauce to actually doing it? Like, how do you live a triumphant life? I'll start, and I hate to disappoint those that are watching here tonight because this is not earth shattering. (laughs) Like, the secret to it is just going to be very practical, in the fact that I think 90% of the battle is showing up. I mean, how much opposition do uh, mothers and parents face just getting your kids to church on Sunday? Everything goes wrong. Why? Because the devil does not want you to be in the house. And so I think the biggest scripture that stands out to me is Philippians 3 and 14 says, I press toward the goal to win the prize to which God in Christ Jesus is calling us upward. So I think an important part and a secret to how to live that triumphant life is just pressing in and pressing on. I really think that's it. It's making right choices while you're hurting, while you're discouraged, while you're frustrated, while you're confused, while you're under pressure. The right choice is often, it's the harder choice, right? It's the hardest choice, and, and when we're in the middle of that terrible stress, we naturally want to take that path of least resistance, In order to reap the right results in life, you've got to do what's right when you don't feel like it. So So again, press in, press on. And you'll never get to where you are if in life without, you know, being willing to sacrifice and push through the obstacles, the adversities that you're going to face. Your obstacle may be your attitude. Can we speak on that a little bit? I think sometimes it's our mindset. It's like you talked about. It's our mindset. It's our attitude. A set of circumstances could be your adversity. 
You know, a relationship, an issue from your past, a bad habit, your job, or COVID. Hello. (laughs) Is that your adversity today? Whatever it is, you are the only one who can press through. No one else can do your pressing for you. You've got to do that. So if you find yourself exhausted, you find yourself weary, this is the point where you've got to summon fresh strength from God and you continue to press on one more time. Press in, press on. Well, uh, one of the things that I think is important in in this question right here is the secret to living. You know, it's, it's just all in him. It's not in us. It's in him. You know, when, 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 people, when people find the Lord, when people find the Lord, many times uh, the first success they have after finding the Lord, they want to take that success personally like it was my doing. And then when they have a bad thing, it was God's doing. So God brings the negative, and, and he's just saved them. He's just brought them out of a world of sin. He's just redeemed their life with loving kindness. And all of a sudden, they start classifying the good is because of me. The bad is because God doesn't love me. And he loves us. He loves us. So there's two roads that we all can walk down, and, it, and it's the road that, that all of us have to face the same obstacles it rains on the just. It rains on the unjust. It rains on everybody. And people say, but you don't know what I'm going through, Pastor. Well, we don't need to stand and compare stories here today because you might get overwhelmed with stories that are greater than yours that people have come through. But I've noticed, I've noticed that people carry a, a, a certain characteristic about them. They carry either the bumps hurt me or the bumps are stepping stones for a greater day. And, and you can tell when they open their mouth, when they open their mouth and declare some things, you can tell what road they're on. The ouch road or the oh yes God road. You can see it. And, and, and I, I've lived on that ouch road. I've lived on that hurt road. I've lived on that road. And I decided one day to get in the passing lane. And get in the other lane and, 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 and move on. Just move on down the road of life and understand that everything in this world that can happen to people is going to happen to just about all of us. We're all going to face circumstances, situations, but it's how you view it. It's how you look at it. It's how you perceive it. And when you perceive it as, ah, that ain't nothing. My daddy, I broke my arm one time in high school playing football and my mother my mother was, she was a, she was a, oh, oh, that's a calm word, panicker. My mother was, it was World War III when I broke my arm. And she kept, she fell down on her knees and said, God, don't let Gan Green come into this arm. Don't let him lose this arm because he's broke. Don't let it, don't let it happen, God. Let daddy come home early. My dad gets home. My dad gets home. He looks at my arm and he says, son, it don't even look broke to me. It don't even look broken to me. He said, in fact, son, he stops and he looks at me. He said, I I had worse on my eye and never batted. I've had worse on my lips, son, than this and never licked it. And he said, son, get up. We're going to go get a wrap on it or something, but it's, it's probably not even broken. When my dad walked in and gave me those words, I felt like I could go out and play football again with a broken arm without a cast. 
But mother had me at a point where I wanted to say, I want to die at 17. I'm ready to call it a day. It all depends on who you cling to. We do not triumph in ourselves. We triumph in Christ. It's in Christ. So I have just chosen to walk the road, not of less resistance, but the road of, oh, yes, not the road of, ouch, but, oh, yes. And when I open my mouth, it's going to be, oh, yes. When you get calls from me, it's going to be a yes call. And I want you to, when you open your mouth, to declare some things. Because here's what I understand. The devil does not know what's in here. Only God knows the heart and tries the reins. Only God. The devil does not know. So you don't need to speak negative to let the devil know what's in your life. Speak triumphant thoughts. Speak overcoming thoughts. Speak glorious thoughts. And believe that God is still doing everything possible to make us be ready for heaven. Get a hold of that. Get a hold of that. Get a grip on that. That's how you live uh, an overcoming triumphant in Christ life. And that, that makes me think of uh, the contrast between the victim and the victor. Excellent. And uh, I wrote down a few things that I, I feel like this is kind of, this goes back to your mindset. And the victim sees a challenge as an obstacle, but the victor sees the obstacle as an opportunity. I love it. Yeah. The victim blames others for their failure, but the victor takes personal responsibility for success or failure. Wow. The victim lives off other people, but the victor lives to bless other people. Wow. The victim spreads negative attitude to others, but the victor spreads a positive attitude. Yes. And the victim gives up quickly if they don't succeed, but the victor doesn't quit until they succeed. It's all in the mindset and having that triumphant mindset guiding you and leading your every thought and decision in life. I think that's the secret to living. That's so, yeah, that, that's amazing. And uh, I can't remember, somebody made mention of this, a pastor, it may have been you, that, that God has to be, it has to all be about him. And, and I think back that, that triumph is a... It's a choice, right? You, you live and you can choose to walk. What are you choosing to, to walk in? And, and I, I think the choice is pretty evident here. Joshua 24 and 15, let me, let me read this scripture to you. Joshua faced the children of Israel with, with this choice. And he says, and if it seems evil to you to service the Lord, choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the side, the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, yes. we will serve the Lord. And you wake up every day saying, you know what? He's the reason I'm doing what I do. He's the, the, my purpose and the reason. He's got to be number one every day. And it's, that's how you start living in triumph is that make him the number one of your life. And I, I think back too, because it's easy to start, you know, having small victories, but then you, you think back to Exodus chapter 14 and you're, everybody that's listening is very familiar with the story. The children of Israel have just been released, but Pharaoh changes his mind and now is chasing after them. And they're, they're at a crossroads. They've got 
the Red Sea in front of them. They got Pharaoh and the Egyptians behind them, and they almost quit. They almost, well, I don't even know if this is where they start grumbling and complaining. What, what is happening right now? I they, almost, they almost threw in the towel and said, well, let's just, let's go back. I mean, what, why would we even want to go forward? And if, I, if we're not careful, here's, here's what I think can happen to a lot of us, that, that we don't get to the triumph level of living, that we're still between the, the battle and the victory back and forth and back and forth, and we don't win as much as we should, it's because what's pursuing you, the battle, has overtaken what's been promised to you. Yes. You know, what's in front of you, what is the battle that you're in has gotten so big in our minds and in our lives that we forget about what's, what's right in front of us. Right. And so there's, right. you say this all the time, Pastor, there's never a time to quit. Yeah. There's never a time to stop. You keep going and watch God show up. And so, okay, let me, let me ask this question now. So I think we've got a good grip on um, victorious living, but even, even more than that, right, triumphant living. What are some practical things for our audience um, tonight that might be struggling with this? They're like, listen, I need a next step. What can I do when I wake up tomorrow to start living this out in my life? Do, do, do any of you have some things that, yeah, Jaren, okay? I have some. I'm, I'm actually, that's where I tend to, lead, to, to, to lean a little bit is toward the practical. I'm more of a task-oriented type person. I like to have my daily to-do list, and I want to see everything checked off at the end of the day. Um, but I think there are several things, and I actually wrote down seven steps that I think you can do on a practical level to really have victory and be triumphant. Um, and the first one is that every day you are communicating with your loved ones. That's your spouse. That's your friends. That's your family. That's the people that you go to battle with every day. That's the people that are in the trenches with you. And I don't mean to keep using that battleground <laughs> analogy, but um, the second one is that you're developing a routine. Uh, you pray daily. You read your Bible you know, you, you attend church, you're involved, you, you, you do the things that you're supposed to do every single day. Um, and the third one, and this is something really hard for me and my wife, we, you learn to say no when you need to say no. Um, you can't always fight if you're tired, right? right. You, you have to re-energize, you have to let some things go, cut some fat, take some things out of your life so that you can have the ability to fight later. Um, the fourth one for me um, is you take control of your to-do list. And what I mean is, I don't mean your daily to-do list. I don't mean that the things that you do you know, every day, your little, your little reminders. Um, what I mean is the to-do list of life. We all have these things that, that we think we need to get, right? We have the perfect job, the perfect wife, the perfect house, uh, the perfect kids, the perfect amount of money in our bank account. And we have all of these little things that we want and we get caught up in that and we lose sight of right the end goal. And so we lose that daily b battle because we're, we're, trying to, we're trying to win it all at the end. Um, don't, you know, don't be envious of the Joneses, right? Or the grass is greener. Don't worry about that to-do list. Worry about yourself. Um, the fifth one, and this is something Pastor just preached about, is don't make this king. Put this down. Get rid of your phone. And Caitlin's hitting me right now under the table to put my phone down. Stop reading Twitter. Um, 
But pastor said it best. This is our king, and we, we have to let go of that. And that'll, this is one of the easiest addictions for us. And we, if we let this go, we can actually see the big picture and, and start winning that. Um, just a couple of more. Number six for me is that you are learning new things daily. Examine yourself. Identify weaknesses in yourself. Learn, learn how to overcome those things. Study your ba- battle plan, right? Read your Bible. Like, like figure out the things that you need to do to be victorious. Um, and then the last one, and this ties all of those six together, is that you are finding time away. This is vacation. This is key. This is time to recharge. Uh, this is time to focus your mind. Uh, this, is, this is how you connect with those that you love. The first one, right? That you're communicating, that you're spending that time. Um, time away helps us accomplish one through six. So yeah, those, those seven steps. I'm sorry if I ran through those quick. Uh, no, just to piggyback off of, of Jaron, prayer it was huge for me and is huge for me. Um, just, I feel like the battle is won through prayer. Um, and just setting up that daily routine to find time to pray and to be in God's word. Uh, Jaron and I both have faced a battle for five years with our son and we see victory, but we didn't start seeing victory until we started praying for it. We tried to fix it ourselves. We tried to take on that ourselves because we thought we could. And until we set up that, that prayer life and being intentional about praying and intentional about our prayers, it wasn't until we started seeing some victory in that, um, in that battle. And so prayer, prayer, prayer is, is my number and one. Some personal sacrifices. Like we gave up things for that, like yeah. prayer and fasting together, right, Pastor? Yeah. This, yeah. That, that's the combination. That's the key. Yeah. You have something else? I think I'm done. <laughs> Prayer. All right. All right. I, I, I'm going to try to wrap this up a little bit here. And uh, I think it would be neat to go to a pastor who knows how to pastor. James was the first pastor of the Church of Jerusalem. And history records that they had probably in their peak days, 87 to 90,000 people in that church. Now, they had home ministry. They had, uh, they had helping the, the people, the, the needy. They did a lot of stuff. They went out and had healing campaigns. They did a lot of things for the city of Jerusalem. But James, in his very first chapter, in his very first chapter, he talks about how to go from trials to triumph, how to go from here to here. And it's four little easy steps, three verses, four verses, He starts this way, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. The first thing you have to do is get your attitude right. You got to get an attitude. You got to get an attitude correction in your life. You got to go to attitude school and hope you graduate summa cum laude. You need to get attitude toward the things that happen in your life. God is for every one of us. He's for us. I've taught our girls this our whole life. God is not against us. He is for us. And if God be for us, who can be against us? So you count it all joy. The attitude of joy has to come into your life. So immediately thank God and adopt a joyful attitude. Get an attitude of gratitude in your life. Knowing, the second thing, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Now, There's three ways that faith grows. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. 
Faith comes when you're praying in the Holy Spirit, building up your most precious faith. And then when your faith is tested, it produces patience. We all say, God, give me patience, but let me do it without a trial. You know, just give me patience. Well, you're not going to get it without a trial. It is said, history says, Job's trial lasted probably about six months. But six months is not your whole life. There's some people that are going through things right now, but understand something. Your faith produces patience. It really, really does. It produces patience. And so you need to understand that so you can go to the third step of living triumphantly. Let patience have its perfect work. Verse 4, patience has to have, in other words, patience is going to produce a perfect work in your life. Just waiting on God is going to produce a perfect work in your life. Some of us won't, we won't microwave God, and he's a crockpot God. We want, to, we want it right now, and God's not always right now. Now, he has done some right now miracles for me. He's done them for you, and he'll do them again. But this thing that I'm talking about is patience has to work, has to have its perfect work. And when you allow God to take time and formulate, you'll come out of that thing greater than you ever went in it, that trial. You know, I found something about the military that I think is very awesome. When a man is captured by the enemy, when a man's captured by the enemy and he's a lieutenant or he's a colonel or he's a major or whatever, when he goes into captivity, he goes in a major or whatever. Let's say he goes in a major. When he comes out, if he comes out seven years later, he comes out a major. He doesn't lose his ranking. He doesn't lose his position. He doesn't lose his place in the American army and with the leaders of the army just because he was captured and went into captivity. And in fact, it won't be very few days until he be, he'll be promoted to another level. So understand that trials work not only to bring joy into our life, but to produce patience in our life and to promote us in life. We get promoted. And then if any man, verse 4 or verse 5 through 8, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask God for it. Let him ask of God. So, you know, there's a difference in knowledge and wisdom. Knowledge is the know-how, and wisdom is understanding how to use the know-how. A lot of people are knowledgeable, but they don't use wisdom because they don't know how to interpret the wisdom from the knowledge. So, and under, understand this, understand this. In all that you ask for, Solomon said, God, all I want is an understanding. I want an understanding heart. He asked for wisdom. And because he asked for wisdom, God said, because you didn't ask for fame and money and power, I'm going to give you that. I'm going to give you the, what you asked for, but I'm also going to give you this other. You know what? If you would just ask God to give you understanding when you go through situations and not be a quitter and not stop and not give up, because all you're going to do is just battle, win, battle, lost, battle, win, battle, lost. You'll never get to that level of achieving triumphant living in your life. You've got to look at every situation and say, though he slay me, though the skin worms destroy my body, yet in my flesh I'm going to see God. You've got to have a Job mindset that says, you know, God's got this. I trust him, and I'm going to live triumphantly in life. You can do it. You can do it. One old boy said, if you just put your mind to it, you can do it. You can do it. You can do it. That's about all i got to say. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that in order to live triumphantly, we've got to see things the way God does. Yes. And scripture promises, promises us that we've been given the mind of Christ. Right. 
But it's like being given a treasure box. You got to open it. And the way to unlock this box is we read God's word. You know, we pray like we've all said. And the Holy Spirit reveals his heart to us. And we begin taking on a new mindset when we do this. And that is the mind of Christ. And that's how our lives are transformed. And I, I feel like opening this box, it just, we're opening up treasures and treasures and treasures that is all where we, we get, we get our mind in sync with Christ. And that automatically experiences victory because Christ is victorious. Absolutely. And, and both of you touched on this just a second ago, but, and I alluded to the first part of this a moment ago, but I think a, a victorious life, a triumphant life is gained by a choice to put God first, but, but I think it's maintained with an attitude. You know what I'm saying? It's gained, but, but you maintain it. It doesn't just stop. You've got to keep the ball rolling, but it starts with your attitude. What are you seeing every day? And I read something recently, um, really a, a phenomenon that a, a Stanford professor, Arnold Zwicky, called the frequency illusion. And you'll, you'll understand this in just a moment, but it's how our brain works. He said, once that you've noticed a phenomenon for the first time, you think it happens a whole lot, even all the time. And I'll use this as an example. Um, when, when you went and purchased your last vehicle and you started researching it and looking up all the safety protocols and all, where can you get the cheapest deal? And guess what? You started seeing minivans on the road everywhere. Everywhere was a minivan. But the truth of it, there was no more minivans on the road the day that you started seeing them than there was the day before so that's my question is it's maintained by an attitude. So what are you seeing every day? What do you choose to see? Do you see that God is for me, that God is on my side, that God is with me, that there's no weapon formed against me that shall prosper? And I think if we're not careful, our selective attention can get us in trouble, right? We can start paying attention to the wrong things, and that's how we slip out of this you know, triumphant life. Um, I think we, we've had this plan, and I think it would be so perfect right now talking about living in triumph and, and being victorious and being an overcomer. Um, there's a beautiful song that our, our praise team sings, and people sing it all over the country, but I think it would be a moment, right, where you could just sit at your, I don't know, maybe you want to kneel, maybe you want to stand. I don't know what that looks like for you, but if you need, if you need to see this triumphant life, not just talked about, but if you need to start walking it out, I think a lot of it, as we talked about on Sunday, starts with worship too. And we want to kind of close our time out together tonight with a, a powerful song that I hope that you'll have a moment of worship with us tonight, that maybe you'll sing the words with us and just allow God to start transforming your heart, transforming your mind, transforming your attitude because he is with you. And if he is with you, I don't know how it's gonna turn. I don't pretend to know the details, but I know that you're gonna see a victory. Let's sing it, guys.
This is unscripted. Psalms 34 and 1 says, 
I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. This is how you live triumphant. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. I won't boast in me, I'll boast in Him. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. And I love this. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt His name together. What David is saying is you can't make God any bigger, but you got to magnify Him bigger than your problem, bigger than your situation. Because if God is for you enough to save you, He's for you enough that you can triumph with Him in living for Him. We love you today, Pastor. Yeah, let me pray for you tonight. Lord, right now, we're so grateful that you have shown up through this conversation. And Lord, I pray that your presence is is real and tangible to those watching through their their iPhones or their computer screens or their TV as it is right now in this room with just, just the six of us, the seven of us, Lord, in this room. I pray that you would move us from thinking about victory, from even just small victories here and there, but to a a culture that is built into our lives and into our families and into our jobs that say we can triumph no matter what. And it's not because of our talents, it's not because of our abilities, but it's because of the Spirit of God that dwells on the inside of us. We love you, Lord. We're grateful to know you. Bless us. Keep your hand on us. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being a part of the conversation tonight. We'll see you in the house or online on Sunday. God bless you. 